Hey friend, if you're like me, then you love a free gift. And today I want to give you something special for being a loyal listener of the podcast, and that's Get It Made, a guide on how to find a manufacturer for your fashion brand. This guide has tips and tricks on how to find your next manufacturer so that you can bring your dreams of starting your own fashion brand into fruition. All you need to do is type in makegoodfashion.com slash get it made or visit the show notes for the link. She said, I just had this dream that this entire shop was full of tailors working, no space. And I was just like, how is that going to happen? There's not even one tailor in there working right now. And I was just like, okay, that's amazing. But I was just like, I couldn't see it. That was in 2018. And in 2022, there was no space. Welcome to Make Good Fashion, the podcast that's all about starting, launching, and growing impactful fashion brands. I'm your host, Jasmine Rennie. You guys, I'm so excited about today's episode because I get to chat with the inspiring and lovely Sophia, founder of Besita. Besita is a clothing company that produces beautifully and ethically African-made clothing and accessories from Nigeria. Sophia talks about how she went from being a journalist to taking the leap to start a fashion business with no experience. But that hard work and determination paid off because she went from $0 in sales that first month to being named one of Forbes 30 under 30. You're going to love this episode so much because it's so inspiring and it really just shows how much faith and determination can get you so far in life and business. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Sophia. Hey, Sophia, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Jasmine. It's so good to be here. I I know. to see your face after a few months. Yeah, Yeah, almost a year. (laughs) I am fangirling over here, you guys, because I can't believe I pulled off getting Sophia on my podcast. She is amazing. A little background. We actually met last summer. We were doing a photo shoot for Stitch Fix. And Sophia walks in the lobby and she is just gorgeous and bold and beautiful. She has her beautiful fit on and got to know her a little bit during the trip. And you are just lovely. So I'm so excited that you're on. That is a big compliment. Like I really, I think I was actually very nervous during that trip. So no way. Maybe I took a few (laughs) shots before I went to the lobby and that's why you were getting all of that, you know, energy from me, but I was actually quite nervous. Yeah. I can't believe that because you just exude like confidence and boldness, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. Mm -hmm. Let's start off with you telling us a little bit more about your background I know that you didn't have a traditional fashion background. So tell us how you got started and like what your background is. Oh, my gosh. So I definitely did like probably what was opposite of fashion, which was TV news. Like this podcast is actually more on my (laughs) on my like that that's really what I wanted to do was more interview people, talk to people, get stories. But I will say that I had a calling over my life. In my 20s, I knew I was supposed to start this clothing brand because the idea was to connect people to Africa and then for Africa to also connect the diaspora together. But I was like, I was 20. I'm like, that's way too big for me. Mm -hmm. Like, that's like, 
too serious for me. Like my mom sent me to school to be a journalist. Like, how am I going to explain that to my African parent that I'm going to go start a clothing brand? Like (laughs) it's already a far stretch for me to say, I want to be on TV for her. So, but yeah, my background was news, but this, this thing kept beating inside of my heart. And while in news, I started the clothing brand. And as you know, you start something and you expect all your friends to buy and everything to be good and you to become an instant millionaire. And it just did not work out that way. <laughs> it didn't. It was really first month. I don't think I did any sales, but at least I had my news job and I was, you know, still very, very good at that. But yeah, my background is in TV. It's in journalism. And maybe one day I'll go back to it. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, you have the voice for it. <laughs> well, thank you. I did pay thousands of dollars to refine this voice. <laughs> so I hope it still sticks with me for the rest of my life. It's an expensive voice. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you for being so transparent, by the way, because I think that we all have this idea that we are going to start these brands and just like right away it's going to be an instant success and for most people that doesn't happen right away it's a slow grind and especially I feel like you know the thing that's unique with purpose-driven brands is that we have something bigger to to work for and work towards right and so I'm curious about how your mission of connecting people to Africa and your your brand idea, your concept, your purpose, how that kind of kept you going? It's the only thing that really kept me going, that this idea of building connections, because it was something that God told me in my 20s that was my mission in life and my purpose. And fashion is just step one. So I always start off by telling people, like, I've got a grandmaster plan and fashion is just part of it. So knowing that God told me that I'm very, of course, obviously, you know this about me. I'm very spiritual, very connected to Christ. And I am proud of myself always at least attempting to be obedient. So I knew that God told me to do this. And every time I would want to quit, I would get a word from Mm. someone somewhere, a dream came from someone or something. So the, the mission has been the thing that kept me going, because as you know, there are plenty of times that you want to quit and connection is what actually made me a bolder, brighter, smarter, wonderful person, because I started visiting Nigeria in 2014. I hadn't been there for years since I was a child. So I, there's something about being back home and seeing people that look like you, seeing the currency and like, there's a face that looks like you on there. Leadership looks like you. There is no feeling of, oh, I'm going to be judged when I go out based on my race. So I don't know, whenever I would go back home, I would feel so confident and strong and powerful and in in a sense almost immune or at least I would I wouldn't be affected by racism when I come back to America because I'm like there are a whole continent there's a whole continent dedicated to us where people are thriving and have been have been doing this thing for years so I just I I think if I didn't have that 
those trips younger, like back home and connecting and seeing the benefits, I probably wouldn't be able to be so gung-ho for this business because the ultimate goal is to connect people to Africa and eventually get them to go to Africa, Mm -hmm. an African country, wherever, and see for themselves and build that pride and confidence for themselves. Yeah. And you've already started getting people to go to Africa, but we're going to talk about that later. So, (laughs) yes, thank God you didn't quit because you just are killing it. But I want to go back to the beginning, you starting this brand with no traditional uh, fashion experience. Mm -hmm. Like, how did you even get started? How did you even know what to do? Oh, my gosh. Um, I still don't know what to do, first of all. Just <laughs> None very, of us do. <laughs> we're just out here faking it. And that's that's the real gag right there. Like, most people are actually faking it. Especially men, but we'll leave that alone. Um, but, but, yeah, so here's the thing is, I don't, like you said, don't have, I don't even, I don't sketch well. I do sketch, and but I don't sew. So that's always the first thing I tell people. I'm like, I don't, I don't do anything like that. But what I do have is this gift to to visualize something and make it come to life, like that execution part of it. So I would have these ideas in my head. And the wonderful thing about Nigeria is there's a tailor, literally probably two tailors on your street. It's got a massive, massive workforce of tailors. And so I would share it with my tailor, all of us, like we have like tailors that we go to and. I'd say, I have this idea. Can you like, you know, sketch it out for me and build it out? And then they create like essentially samples. I didn't know that's what they were even called back then. Mm-hmm. I was like, here's a design. And then I thought about it. I was like, well, you've got to take it a step forward because Nigeria usually does what we call bespoke pieces. So it's one of a kind. But how can we turn this one of a kind into multiply it into sizes? So I would do size small, medium, large, extra large. That's it. And I think that the first drop that we had when I launched the brand was like maybe six styles and, and we made one size, one small, one medium, one large in every style. And really there was no research. I didn't understand what marketing was. I, did, I thought, and this was the Instagram when Instagram was popping and I was like, oh, you just put it on Instagram <laughs> and everyone will buy. They will all flock. <laughs> we all think that, don't we? Like, yes. I'm just going to make something and throw it on there. Throw it on there. I mean, duh. Like, everyone's going to love it because it's cool. And I did it. And I was mistaken. And I cried many nights because <laughs> nobody bought anything. Uh-huh. And and I, I just really wish I knew more about marketing before I started the business. But yeah, that's literally how I started is very, very much a, a side hustle, a hobby. And I don't recommend anyone start like that. But <laughs> that is my journey. <laughs> yes, that is so interesting to me because you literally started with product. So mm-hmm. no foundation yet. You didn't do the branding, no marketing, none of that. Nope. Started with the product and threw it on Instagram and it was initially not very successful. And so how did you kind of start backwards, right? And kind of get to the point where you're like, okay, well, I'm going to probably have to do more to get this brand out there. 
So I do remember there was a moment where I think things changed. I, there was a, in the town that I was living in, Macon, Georgia, and I was working there as a broadcaster, there was a festival called the Tubman Pan-African Festival. And I said, well, it seems like it'd be fitting. I heard it on the radio while driving back to my new station that they're looking for vendors. And I was like, okay, I think I can do this. I've never done that before, but I said, I've got all this product in in the house. Let me try it out. And I think the vendor fee was like $150. And I was like, first of all, your first news job, you don't make any money. You don't make any money. So like, if like my little salary that I was making, I, I, I don't, I did not have $150 to pay for that. But what I did have was I had a credit card and I said, something just said, take the, just take the leap of faith and just pay the $150. And during that event, we, we practically sold out and we had people ordering things because they not, they didn't, I didn't have their size in it. So I'd be like, oh, my tailors can make that for you in your size. Wow. That's when I knew that it wasn't that people didn't like the designs because I think that was my first reaction when people didn't buy is you hate it. It was just that they didn't know about it. People that, that want it did not know about it. And I wasn't presenting it to my customer. And from there, of course, I did the thing that most 25-year-olds do when they get a little bit of success is they quit their job and they just take it on full-time, the business. That's exactly what I did. I didn't renew my contract at my station and I didn't, I didn't go into another TV station. I moved back home. And I was like, oh, it's fine. I'm going to grow the business. Once again, very optimistic. Grow the business and next year I'll become a millionaire and then I'll go back on TV. That's it. It's easy. That's it. That's exactly what I'm doing. Because I've always been excellent at everything that I've done. Everything. I've always been great at school, great at work, like always getting awards. So I'm like, this is another walk in the park. I was in for a rude awakening. And I really do believe from 2016 is when my journey began. And I'm not just talking about my journey with Bessida, but my personal relationship with God grew and I just started becoming and developing such incredibly good character. And that's why I love my brand so much. I feel like my brand made me grow up. Oh my it, gosh. it led me, yeah, it led me in, on this beautiful path um, to being a better person. I didn't even know that concept before the business. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm just sitting here like getting chills because I feel like our stories are so similar. I also discovered the wonderful world of vendor fairs and markets when I first started out and had the same exact feeling of like, hey, I put my products on Shopify. Why aren't they selling? Right? With no marketing because wasn't paying for marketing because I didn't have the budget for marketing and, you know, went to the first vendor fair and started getting that customer feedback, seeing that people are actually liking it. I also had moved back home at 25. And I also, as you know, am a woman of faith. And one thing that I've noticed, I think as women of faith, as people with purpose-driven businesses, what happens is that God is more concerned about what he's doing through you during the journey. And I feel like the journey of starting my brand and growing my faith in that season of like, just so much humility of like having to go back, move back with my parents, right? After being independent Mm. for so long and being in that quiet space of like alone with God and building this Mm -hmm. thing, right? 
it seemed like the things that were happening in the business were so parallel with what God was doing in my life. And so as you're speaking about this, I'm like, oh my gosh, is he doing this with everyone? Like, are we all like, is has this all been like a sham? Like we were called to build these businesses really <laughs> so that God could do something in us and through yes. us, through the things yes. that we do and develop a, a, a trust, right? Mm. In him, because I know you know that this is a faith journey. Like you have to have some mm. incredible faith and perseverance to keep going when you are, aren't an instant millionaire, you know? No, and even when you start making money, because that's the thing is, there's a challenge at every level. Mm-hmm. And recently I had a very weird challenge happening and I was like a bit anxious about it. But I said, I've been through worse though. It's okay. All right. I'm going to sleep. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you just, you, I, and I think that's where God wants us where we can, we can use our experiences and say, okay, this is, this is no, this is a no brainer. Like God, you've got this because I've actually been through worse. And, and that's how it is. I, I'm, I'm really thankful for it. Now I was kicking and screaming the first three years because I was like, this is weird. You're an almighty God who created the heavens and the earth in six days. You know, although when people who the scientists who study how the earth was formed think it's, it took billions of years to form this earth, but you did it in what you considered six days. So why can't you make me an instant millionaire? <laughs> and I think that's where, you know, that's where I started gaining understanding of who God is because we grow up learning that. God is a miracle worker and Mm -hmm. he does all things great, but we don't talk about the breaking and how in the word of God, you you certainly see people who are broken. That's like his theme. He takes you, he breaks you, and then he uses you. Mm -hmm. It's just the theme. So now that I understand, I was like, okay, I went through my season of breaking. Hopefully I don't have to go through that anymore. And I really do feel like right now, I will say I'm in the season of reaping. Yeah, I love that. Because you persevered. Uh, yeah. It... Yeah, because when you're starting, you don't think that it'll ever happen. You hear people, you listen to the, all these encouraging, and they're like, yeah, don't worry, trouble don't last always. So yeah. Joy comes in the morning, and I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> but during those seasons where it you had those, you know, hard moments and these challenging, mm-hmm. difficult moments of, like, having to trust God, did you feel permission to stop? Like, did you feel like you could stop and have peace about it? No, no. I have never, I will say this. I have quit before, maybe for like six hours, <laughs> but then I would come back to it because it was that deep. It wasn't, oh, okay, we tried our best, you know, let's just pack it up and move on. No. And I think that's really where my team comes in because, you know, I've got our own, we don't have our own studio workshop in Nigeria. So we were a team of five for like four years until last year we became like a team of 18. It just blew up that quick. Wow. Uh, But, but they, they're the ones that kept me going because they needed that salary. Yeah. They needed, and these are women who a lot of them are breadwinners, at least three of them at the time of the five were and two of the ladies were saving two of the other young young ladies were saving up to go to college 
So I'm like, I actually can't quit because they're depending on me. Yeah. And everyone that knows me knows I'm, I'm really, I love, I love caring for people. I love using my resources to care for people as well. I'm just a big giver. It's just how I am. And so it was, it, it was never an option for me to quit totally. If I, if I had to quit the business, I, I don't, it, it just, it never was anything that really stayed in my mind for long. It just never was. Yeah. yeah. And I think you have to have that stick to if you're going to start anything, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you're going to start a fashion brand, you have to be dedicated. And I want to talk a little bit more about your factory, though, this yeah. studio that you've started and the jobs that you're providing to these Nigerian artisans. It's amazing what you're doing. How do you go from not even knowing how to start a brand to having a whole studio employing 18 people? Like, girl, what? This is, that literally is so weird to me when I hear it. I will give a lot of credit to my manager, literally the most amazing woman who saw my vision, she was working like, was at first we start, when I started a business, I contracted tailors. So no, I didn't hire anyone, but I would just contract them to do work. And this woman came in my life as kind of like a production manager. So she would make sure the clothes were getting made by the different shops we were contracting and ship them and things like that. And she actually doesn't have much education, but what she has is she's got passion and she is really dedicated to this journey. So because of her, I felt comfortable enough to start something, open up a whole shop and kind of leave it in her hands. Mm. And Mrs. Christy, she do always tell me like when we started, she said, I had this dream. And mind you, when we started, I opened up, we rented like this house because we wanted it to be a fashion house. We rented this house and I bought three manual sewing machines and one like industrial that's what we call it industrial so the manual ones are like the old wooden ones like they're very oh wow yes and you have to use your feet to pedal it but they're actually quite useful in Nigeria because of the electricity problem Mm. so we actually needed it at the shop so I went with her bought all this equipment and we had it in in the house but for like seven months we were not operating there because we couldn't find a good you know, good tailors yet. We're just, I was just struggling because Mm -hmm. it was such a big expense to start that. And she told me one day, she said, I just had this dream that this entire shop was full. Like the house was full of tailors working, no space. And I was just like, how is that going to happen? There's not even one tailor in there working right now. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, okay, that's amazing. I said, you know, I was, I was lifted up by it, but I was just like, I couldn't see it. And that was in 2018. And in 2022, there was no space. The whole place was full. That's when we had to hide. Wow. I mean, not, and I looked at her, I was like, do you know your dream came true? But she was like, yeah, I know, because I dreamt it. Duh, <laughs> I, gonna, I told duh. you. Like, <laughs> I told you so. But yeah, so it, for me to start that portion of the business, I will say it wasn't, it wasn't all me. It was really my manager who really set everything up and dealt with personnel and you know, hiring and, you know, what equipments to buy and things like that. Yeah. I love that. I love what you said about your production manager. And I want you to speak on the importance of relationships in this industry, because I think that's a huge thing. Having someone that you can trust, 
that you can leave mm. everything in her hands and mm. feel confident that you're going to have the product when you're supposed to, that she's going to take care of everything. Like, talk about that. Oh, especially in Nigeria, relationships are very important because trust is very important because a lot of people, and I think that's not just Nigeria, but all over this world, a lot of people are looking ways to take advantage of you, especially in your weak parts. So I did have a production manager before her who took advantage of the fact that I wasn't there and like, you know, she would get extra cuts from the different tailors we contract and things like that. But the first thing I noticed about Christy is I did a gut check on her. Oprah mm. talks about this, like doing a gut check. And I noticed that she was a very honest person. And in order for that role, for someone to fill that role, they had to be very honest. So I, I knew that not only was she going to do the work, she was always going to find a way to do what she didn't know how to do. And that's really, really important when hiring people is that, especially in a management role, is that they have to be able to elevate with you. You know, they're learning, you're learning, you know, you're growing with the business at every level requires another level of like learning. So I really want to say that foundation with her and my team in Nigeria building those relationships set me up for having better relationships with my customers. And also now better relationships with retailers and retail partners. Hmm. Yeah. That's so good. So you talked about, you touched a little bit before about how the beginning was a little rough, right? So I kind of want to know what those challenges looked like. Like what specifically were some challenges that you faced in the startup phase and even now? Because they never end, do they? (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, you're saying they were rough back then. And it was like, you started rough, like as if it's still not rough. Yeah, um, no, it doesn't end. Sorry, guys. It doesn't end. And, and one thing I learned from one of my mentors, who is perhaps one of the biggest businesswomen in Nigeria, is like, it never actually gets perfect. No. It just doesn't. Like, she's still talking about, oh, let me get my business together. And I'm like, what? You've been a business for like 30 years and yeah. you're major, you know, so I've get, I've gotten comfortable with that. But I just feel like back in the beginning, of course, getting sales was, was very, very difficult. But I honestly think it was a product. I was not impressed with what my team was making. Mm-hmm. And it took, because they are used to making, like I said, bespoke. So they didn't really understand the concepts of small, medium, large, extra large. So for me, what was hard was being able to communicate with that with them and train them and also create a system that trains new people as well. So I've been in the business of like creating systems now more than I've been in the business of designing garments Mm. because I think in business where to actually do well, you have to have a system that works. Yeah. So that was very difficult for me. I mean, I had like half my garage was full of stuff that I just could never, ever put my name on. I could never put Bessita's name on that uh, because, it, you know, the seams are wrong, zippers are wrong, size mm-hmm. it would be a size small, say size small, but it'd be like a 2XL, like yeah. measurements. And I just did not understand, like, I was like, why aren't they understanding this? <laughs> uh, but I realized that I needed to actually stoop 
not not stoop down, but I needed to get on their level yeah. of understanding. So I had to pick up a local tongue. Well, it's it's still English, but it's pidgin English. And it's really a broken English to be mm-hmm. able to communicate with them because that way they were then able to understand me. So that I think was my biggest challenge when I first before the first three years is getting them to make the clothes the way that I wanted it to be made. Yeah. Wow. That is a challenge that I feel like is not unique to you and people really don't think about because I think we have to communicate things like over communicate and communicate so clearly to get the product that we want. And a lot of times it takes a couple of iterations to Mm -hmm. get it to that point. And I think that, you know, I just hope any designers that are listening to this just have some grace on yourself because I definitely went through that, too. Yes, and you know what? I was at Zara the other day, and I picked up a blouse, and I didn't try it on because, of course, it was a loose-fitting blouse. And I went home, and I tried it on, and one arm was tighter than the other, <laughs> significantly. And you know what? I was like, oh, that feels good. Even Zara does it. <laughs> Even the most, like, the biggest clothing brand in the world is messing mm-hmm. up. Yeah. I feel so good about myself Yeah. Right now. And really, I think that's what it is, is especially women, we want to be perfect. Yeah, we love perfection. And the thing is, there's this uh, quote that I heard, we teach women to be perfect, we teach men to be confident. Mm. And I think that in business, you just have to be confident. Oh, well, if it, it you messed up, you still are doing it, you're still going yeah. a lot further than other people are. Give yeah. yourself some grace. Yeah. yeah. And you know what, I think people would be surprised how much you know, your community and your customers will give you grace as long as you rectify the situations because you're going to find mm-hmm. yourself in situations where, you know, you might have to, some buttons are falling off or like the arm is too tight right. or whatever, but just fix it, you know, just provide the best customer service and you'd be surprised how much grace people will give you. Especially if your your business is rooted in purpose, mm-hmm. they're supporting your story a lot right. of times. So they're already sold on you. And if you communicate with them and they feel seen and heard, that's all they need. Yeah. And I actually feel like it builds deeper connections yeah. because they feel like they're on this journey with you through this struggle as well. And they're learning as well. And they're already so inspired by you. So I would say take time to explain to your customer. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. So, Sophia, you have been featured in some really prominent publications. You have been in Forbes. You have been in Vogue. You have been uh, featured by Essence. Okay, so I need to know what sets you apart because there are so many designers who are professionally trained, have worked in the Mm -hmm. industry for so many years. They start their brands, right? And they have not got as much traction as you. And you've told us Mm. in the beginning of this story, again, no experience, Mm. made some mistakes when you started off. How did you get to this point where you are just getting so much recognition? You were just on, was it CBS that you were just on? CBS With Gail, Auntie Gail. Gail (laughs) Like what? That is wild. I just got chills. It was an out-of-body experience for real. I I don't think I was the one there. I think there was a, clone of me maybe ai on there because i look back on it and i'm just like that was you wow you sound good i didn't know oh you could talk God. like that girl 
But I honestly will say that that's favor. And there's really no other way to explain it. I get it. Like people want like a mathematical formula for it. I was doing the mathematical formula. I used to send press releases like every month to all of these publications. Nobody cared. (laughs) Nobody responded to me. I mean, and I'm a journalist. Once a journalist, always a journalist. So I know what angles people want. And it's literally favor. And I'll I'll get I'll t- I'll share the story about CBS because it is literally the biggest testimony of my life. Yes, please. Oh, of my business life. So back in November when Black Panther came out, we started doing a lot of press releases for that because Black Panther is not just a movie; it's a movement and a moment for Black people to connect with their African roots. So we started selling a lot of our designs. You know, made in Nigeria, African prints. Like people were wearing these these pieces to see the film. So I saw an uptick in sales. So I was told marketing, send out press releases, tell people all about it. Everyone's going to pick up the story because it's a good angle. It's a good business angle for the movie. Mm -hmm. I sent it over to Citrix as well. It's like this, I think we should, we should lean into this to, gosh, I'm forgetting her name now. And she's really awesome. But anyways, I sent it over to their PR and she was like, okay, we'll take this on. We'll send it over. And nobody picked up the story in November. Wow. December came, nobody picked up the story. And I was just like, dang, we put all our eggs in one basket. I really needed to pick up sales as well for, you know, end of the year. And I was really bummed out. Well, in January, Forbes decided to pick, pick up the story. Mm-hmm. And the headline was how this Black founder increased sales due to back Black Panther. And it had my picture on there. And I've had several Forbes articles, but like usually like, It'll have maybe mention of me in there somewhere, but nothing as big as this. Like it had, it was like full profile picture of me. It had, you know, my quotes and everything. And now it's like, honestly, I wasn't excited about it. I was so ungrateful. Yes, I was because I was just like, this is not, y'all should have published this two months ago. (laughs) The movie is not in movies anymore. No one's dressing up. Like I needed, basically I was trying to leverage media to be able to sell more product because we got to sell product at the end of the day. Right, right. And it just was like, I was a bit bummed and I don't even think I shared it. Well, a few days later, CBS slides in my DMs and they're like, we're featuring Black women for Black History Month who are changing the game and we'd like to interview you. I had a feeling that it had something to do with that Forbes article. Here's the thing. If that Forbes article was featured in November, when I wanted it to, in my mm-hmm. timing, CBS would have never found out about it because it yes. was fresh off the press. And I, when I asked the producer who, who reached out to me later after the interview, I said, was it the Forbes article? He was like, absolutely it was. And I said, wow. God's timing is perfect. That's it. I couldn't, like I said, I could never have concocted that. I did all the things, right? Yeah. And so that's why I say, if, if you're in business, I don't see how people do business without God, first of all. I just don't. I don't get it, but everyone to each his own. <laughs> but the book, The Power of Favor by Joel Osteen, literally was like one of the books that changed my life. It just said that you should mm. expect favor in every single way. When you expect it is when you actually call it to you. Yeah. And that CBS feature... Boom, my website blew up. In a month, I mean, we did we did sales online of what we did last year. We doubled that. Wow. In a month. Suddenly, 
suddenly. And I was just like, okay, is this what activation means? Yes. That's amazing. But you also did the work too. So I want to make sure to point that out too, because I think sometimes... You know, we can be all faith and no works and just mm. feel like God's just going to bless me. I'm just going to wait for my blessing, wait for that thing to drop. And mm-hmm. I think we have to get both together. We have to have the faith. We have to do some work and oh, yeah. You're it, right. it'll happen. Absolutely. I think that, you know, we do the work so much that we forget that we do the work. Yeah. Right. It, <laughs> it's kind like, of like, oh, was that norm. working? Yeah. No. Well, but if you hadn't sent norm. out those press releases, even though it That's came out true. late, you know, it wouldn't have gotten picked up. And you could have said, you know, I've done this so many times in the past and it never got picked up. So I'm just not going to do this again. And I think that's just a testament and encouragement to say, like, don't give up. If something's not working, maybe it's not the right time for it, but keep going and keep pushing. So I love that so much. That is a big lesson that I've been learning is just put it out there. You don't have to be the one to make it work. Just put it out there. Mm-hmm. And don't worry if you don't get a response or not. If, it, if you didn't get a response immediately, it wasn't the right time. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. So that was a huge accomplishment. I'm wondering, though, was that, would you say that was your biggest accomplishment? Or like, what is something that you were most proud of or that has been, you know, a huge accomplishment in your business? You've been on Forbes 30 under 30. Let's, like, there's so many oh, things. Like, how do you... Oh How do you God. choose? That's, that's, uh, yeah, before CBS, it was Forbes 30 under 30. And we both I, made the that, list on the same year. On the same year. <laughs> yeah. We are so aligned. <laughs> we so are. Beautiful. It's so beautiful to know that you have someone that is on the similar journey. Yes. And it makes you feel not so lonely. I, I, know, I will still say as much as CBS was great, it is definitely Forbes 30 under 30 because I actually got very involved with the community. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, I, with my community in Atlanta and just the people I have around me, I always feel misunderstood or maybe not misunderstood, but they put me at this level, I think, just because I'm doing this business and I'm taking a leap of faith. Everyone kind of, you know, puts me on a very high pedestal. Mm-hmm. and I just feel like I never have people to really communicate with. Well, Forbes gave me a whole group of people who are just like big thinkers, huge thinkers, and have kind of like the same, not ideas necessarily, but the same ways of thinking that I do. And it made me feel like I I was part of like this elite group of like, change makers mm. who are also very valuable and have had many failures but that didn't stop them and I feel like the people that I did have around me uh, before them were people who just kind of would go through something and quit mm. you know what they were working on or just not take it very seriously but with Forbes the cohort made me they it was like quitting was actually part of it like yeah but like you quit and then you get back on. Yeah. Like that's part of the story. We all do that. <laughs> everybody, like it's, like everybody does it. Are you mean, you mean you haven't quit before? Oh no, you haven't really, like you haven't really gotten started yet. So it just, it really made me feel like I had a community and like I did so much with Forbes. I still do. I'm supposed to be in 
uh, Botswana right now for the Africa conference, but I've got to wait on a shipment <laughs> to come in. So the life be- of an <laughs> entrepreneur, right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know, but like I went to Bermuda with Forbes for a whole month. That was like the most exciting month of my life. Yeah. But I really do. Yeah. CBS is great, but Forbes, just because it's so full of like more, it's a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. It's, it's less about the accolade and more about the community for me. Yeah, you actually inspired me to get more plugged in with the Forbes community because I wasn't utilizing everything. But I think community is so important, especially as a business owner, as a startup, as a founder. So important Mm -hmm. to surround yourself with like minded people and people who get where you're going, because honestly, this could be a very lonely journey, especially as a leader. You need you need that support and you need that community. I agree. I am. I'm currently kind of dealing with that this week especially I'm like I hate not having like co-workers that's why I love going to Niger <laughs> because I got my whole team there all my yeah. team here in the U.S. are virtual but it's like I don't like the fact that I work alone all day mm-hmm. and I'm just feeling kind of lonely this week I was feeling lonely so yeah. definitely need that community looks like it's time for a trip <laughs> I'm going next week girl please I don't play about that once I start feeling that way I'm out <laughs> yes, I'm actually so surprised I got you on this podcast. I'm like, Sophia is always somewhere not in the United States. So I am just so I got really lucky. <laughs> so my next question for you is that if you were to start over today, what would you have done differently? I definitely would have done more research before. I think I would have done more of the hard work and plan better. So much of uh, this business is about planning, also about funding, but, you know, we'll get to that, I guess, another time. But I would have definitely planned better. I would have had a marketing plan. I would have, you know, had something in place that I would I can follow every month or every day or every week. And I would have actually consulted with someone in the business. Yeah. It took me years to find a mentor and programs that taught me because you know this business is really hush hush you know fashion for many years has been like they don't reveal their factory Mm -hmm. the people they work with and things like that and I think that's where I got really blessed is that I did everything on my own because people are very quiet they don't want you competing with them so don't tell you anything but I would have found someone who, who knew more about the business or just maybe even knew about business because I didn't know anything about business, still don't really, but I would have, I would have had mentors who, because one thing about mentors is that they help demystify uh, the idea of success. Yeah. You know, we start, we feel like success is only for a specific type of person and it's not. Yeah. It is for everyone who is willing to put in the time and the work. And that's what my, my mentors taught me later on after like four years of having the business, I decided to get a mentor and she was like, you're going to sit right here on this call with me as I talk to the CEO of Target. Mm-hmm. And I was That's like, amazing. you can, I can, if you can do it, I can do it, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I love that because I think that a lot of times we feel so confident, like we can do this on our own. 
Like, I'm just going to Google all the things and then I'm going to figure it out. And you end up making a bunch of mistakes. Yeah. (laughs) You start wasting a lot of money. Like, it's it's just so much time and money and energy you could save by just getting a coach, getting a mentor, getting with someone who knows. And I think sometimes we're so afraid to ask and so afraid to invest in that. But it's just so important. But we learn also from our failures, right? And we eventually get there. Could have probably got there faster. But hey. We're here. <laughs> right. And your mentors, I would say this, like, you'll be surprised how many people want to actually help you. But one thing I'll, I'll say is, what are you going to offer a mentor as well? Because if they're that successful, they have plenty of people who want to be around them. But what is it that you're bringing to the table? My mentor, I used to shoot her TikTok videos. Mm-hmm. And I told her about it and showed her how to do it. And, like, I'd sit down and review pitch decks with her and things like that. That was what I brought and offered her is so don't just, you know, try to suck and like, oh, I just want to pick your brain. Like, you know, don't just do that. But actually, what do you offer? And the funny thing is when you realize you offer something to your mentor, because a lot of people think like, oh, they're so successful. They don't need me. When you realize you actually bring something to the table, it actually makes you more confident in yourself, too, because you're like, I'm able to advise this very successful person or mm-hmm. offer something to them. Like that means I'm important too. <laughs> yeah. That's what, how it made me feel. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So what's next for your brand? Like, what can we expect? I feel like you've already done it all. Like what, oh, what do you please. have in mind? I have not gotten started. I really literally feel like we are just now getting started. Mm. Eight years later. Versita is just getting started. So we are going, we have a very exciting um, partnership happening soon. I'm not the liberty to tell what it is, but I can. Okay, I'm tired of y'all getting on this podcast and not giving us the details. (laughs) I will give you you, uh, a hint and it's, I'll say parade and that's all I'm going to say. Um, but yeah, it's very, very exciting. Um, and I hope it turns out to really be great for the business because that's the thing is when you enter these retail partnerships with people and businesses is that, you know, you need a lot of funding and then there's a lot of scrutiny behind it and you don't know if they ever want to work with you again or what, what's actually going on, like communication. Um, but I'm excited about that. But also, I just made a trip to India um, last month. Yeah, last month. Um, India is great. Of course, India is like production is everything. You know, Textile, we produce in Nigeria. Yeah. Textiles is really what I went to look for because Nigeria doesn't necessarily produce textiles that we want to use. So I went to India to look for more sustainable textiles and start working on a specific like we're now in the I am now in the business of creating a specific type of very sustainable textile that we can actually put our name on Mm. and not just sell to our specific customers but also to other brands who want more sustainable fashions so it's it's really interesting because I never thought I would get in the business of like science because it involves a lot of science a lot of research a lot of trial and error this is a long-term goal yeah five ten years situation of development research and development but I just feel like I this is just what's next for me I'm I'm never gonna be on a level of just 
keeping things shallow, like I always want to dig deeper. Yeah. And so just more sustainability. That's really what's next for us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what makes you successful because you keep finding the new innovative ways to incorporate into your business. So I love that. Okay. So what advice would you give for aspiring designers who are just starting out? What would you say to them? Gosh. Oh, we mentioned mentors, of course, like make sure you have a solid mentor. Um, And I think, honestly, you need to find out how to get funding. That really is a, you know, we've talked about this and kind of like some of the issues we faced with that, especially if you're a minority owned business. And the thing is, when you open yourself up to the idea of getting funding, it'll come to you. Don't be afraid of taking a loan. Like it is something most businesses do. If you need to get a 0% interest credit card for like the first 12 months, like I've got them on rotation already. Like it's, it's normal and get an accountant because a lot of the designers are very creative. I know I'm creative by nature. I'm not an analytical type of person. I can be though, if I want to be, but most of the time I like to exist in my creative visionary space, but get someone who is analytical, get a bookkeeper, someone, you don't have to spend a lot of money on them, but someone to look over your numbers because so much of passion is about calculation. I really want to say, honestly, and I'm sure you're going to agree with this. It might be 20% bizarre style. I would even say less. Like. <laughs> <laughs> literally yeah and so many people think we're all day you know just designing and it's like no it's about timeline deadlines and making sure you have the right fit and numbers and funding and things like that so definitely do try to get someone if you're not analytical get someone to help you with the analytical stuff and you know ask for free help as well just ask for help just yeah yeah i think that's a mistake a lot of new designers make is that they're so afraid to look like they don't know what they're doing or to ask Mm -hmm. for help. And it's so important. You'd be surprised how many people will help you. And as we spoke about the the importance of relationships and making those Mm -hmm. connections, because somebody may know somebody else who can do what you're looking for. And it's like, you'd just be surprised. So ask the questions, be vulnerable, tell people you don't know what you're doing. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine because they don't know what they're doing too, you know, mm-hmm. and in some places, areas. So they actually, I think people respond more to vulnerability than yeah. to like being very proud. Yeah. Totally. Oh my gosh. Your story is so incredibly inspiring. And I also loved and just want to touch on really briefly when you said you're just getting started eight years in, mm-hmm. right? Because I think in. a lot of times we are like counting the years down and like, I haven't got here. I haven't got here yet. But with time comes growth and you grow slowly Mm -hmm. and new opportunities come and you get a bigger budget and you're able to implement some of these things that you can't implement now. But I think that speaks a lot to your perseverance and your just believe in yourself and your belief in God and what he Mm -hmm. could do in your life and your brand and all the fruit that it's producing is a testament to that. So wonderful. Thank you. I still can't believe you're talking about Bessita. (laughs) I I really can't. I think I live in this, like, when I look at the brand and I'm just like, what? Like, this is, I cried many nights because nothing was working. 
And why I always say I'm just getting started because I feel like personally in my life, I'm just getting started Yeah. Uh, because Bessie does an extension of me. And going back to Oprah, she said this, you know, life doesn't really start for you until 32. And I, tur- I turned 32 this year. I think we're the same yeah. age, right? Yeah, we- <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yes. And I was reading a book where it's the magic of thinking big, another book that I, I recommend is that, you know, life actually doesn't really start for you until 30s. Like, and I really feel that. And I, I feel like I have a better understanding. I go with my gut now a lot more. I trust myself a lot more. And I'm fine with this. I'm fine with doing business the way I want to do business. Yes. Because the thing is, people want to say there's a standard. You take on investors. You do this and that. And it's just like, do what you feel is best. Amen. Because you have heard Sam Bankman Freed was on the Forbes 30 on the 30 list, making multi-billion dollars for people. And now he's on house arrest. <laughs> Hello? Let's let's not compare ourselves to yeah. other people and other people's success. Make your own goals. Create your own vision. How do you want your lifestyle to be with your business? Do you want a family business? Do you want a friend's business? Whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, frame it, create a plan for it, and execute that. Don't look at anybody else. Don't. Oh, my gosh. Mic drop. That's the perfect That's ending. It. That's the perfect (laughs) advice. Thank you so much. Sophia, tell us where we can find you, where we can connect with you, where we can shop your line. Tell us all. Shop Besita, S-H-O-P-B-E-S-I-T-A.com. That's where you can get all the things. And for wholesale, of course, you can send us an email, hello, at shopbesita.com. And what are your social links? Yes. And it's everything is at shopbesita. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Super memorable. We're going to check you out right after this. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for sharing your story. Wishing you all the best. I know you're going to kill it. And will you come back on when you are like a billionaire? Oh, absolutely. I will. And we both are going to be billionaires. So I don't know (laughs) when we'll ever find maybe when we're taking private jets. Right. On vacation. Right. On vacation somewhere in France. Um, We'll we'll see each other then. (laughs) Sophia, what are you doing here? Uh, Yeah, totally. I see it for us. Well, thank you so much, Sophia. Be well. All right. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Make Good Fashion. I hope you found this episode helpful and inspiring as you build your fashion business. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, leave a review. Remember that building an impactful fashion business takes time and effort, but it's so worth it. So keep pushing forward and don't forget to make good fashion.